So I'll say this. If you, if Christ is nothing to you, then you're nothing. Uh, a, a, a Christian is, is, if any man, if anybody in this room has anything to brag about, it's who Christ is. So, you need to know who he is, and I came up, I'm sure we could come up with 80 things the Bible says that Jesus is to the Christian, like the fact that he's your Savior. For unto you is born this day in, in the city of David a what? A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, he's your light. John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus is our light. He's also our God. As uh, Thomas finally figured out when he fell at the feet of Jesus after the resurrection, in John 20, 28, Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. What a way to talk. He's our example. First uh, Peter 2.21 says, For even hereunto ye were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that we should follow in his footsteps. And, and, and all of his life, start to finish, is an example to the believer. He's our focus. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's who we keep our eyes on, because if we keep our eyes on this world too long, we just want to quit. He's our joy. John 15, 11 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. And he's my hope. Titus 2, 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I know what Jesus is for me, but, okay, I'm going to ask now, well, what about me? What am I as a Christian? Am I more than just a sinner saved by grace? Am I more than just a believer in Jesus? And I'm afraid a lot of people are only just believers in Jesus. Am I more than just someone going to heaven when I die? Am I more than just a stressed out, worn out cog in a machine called life? Am I more than that? And the answer is, if you're saved, yes. There are loads of I am's in the Bible in relation to the Christian. You realize concerning heaven, you and I are welcome. Think about it for a minute. I am welcome... And, you know what's even more amazing? I'm expected. Uh, when I reach heaven, the Lord's not going to go, how did you get in here? <laughs> Amen. I don't have to try to come in through a back door. I don't have to knock. The moment that I close my eyes in death here and I leave my body here, I am present with, not Peter, but I'm present with the Lord. Amen. I'm welcome in heaven. I am, concerning heaven, I am earnestly yearning to go. I remember being 17 years old. When I got saved, and, you know, you didn't really think about heaven too much, didn't think about dying, but I look forward to it. And the older I get, the more I look forward to it. I am yearning to go. And, you know, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, we are already seated in heavenly places. We're already there. As far as God's concerned, the deed is done, everything done and dusted. He's just, he's just waiting for my body to catch up with my spirit. Amen. You know, concerning heaven, there's some great I am's for the Christian. Concerning sin, there are some even greater things. Did you know, according to, Revel, according to Romans, you are free from sin's dominion. Sin shall not have dominion over you, the Bible says. John 8.36 says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, what? You shall be free indeed. It's a double positive. You're not just free. You're free, freely free. You're free indeed. I am free from sin's dominion. I'm free from its condemnation. And thankfully... Uh, uh, I, I am free forever, but I am not free from its consequences here. And so there's some realities about sin that just, that's what I am. 
I, I, yes, I can actually, I can be stupid, I can go off the rails, I can mess around with sin, and, 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 and God's not going to send me to hell, but I will pay for it. And the Bible says your, your sin will find you out. The Bible says that uh, you will reap what you sow in this life, but as far as your eternal punishment, it is forever gone. So, there are some great things that I am concerning sin. But there are seven things concerning the loss about me that we be, need to be reminded of. So, uh, I, now, uh, eight things, I'm sorry, seven things that I've been since the day I got saved, that I've always been, that I maybe never really uh, thought about or never really kept conscious of, that I want to always be conscious of. Go to Galatians chapter 2. And the things we're going to talk about this evening are present in every believer's life and are supposed to be active in every believer's life, unless you're hindering it. I know there's nobody in this room who, who you would never hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, would you? <laughs> Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Again, I am. There are a lot of I am's in the Bible. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. What is he saying? If God had so much grace to save me and to try to live through me, I don't hinder him. I don't stop him. I don't block him. So tonight, I want us to do a self-check and say, are these things active? Are they valid? Are they alive in my life? Does my life line up with what the Bible says I am, or am I faking it? Am I a fraud? Let's pray one more time. Father, bless the preaching tonight. But more importantly, bless the hearing and the doing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, first thing, first thing. Isaiah 6, 8. We're going to go through some scriptures tonight. Isaiah 6, 8. When you found that, find Acts 9, 6. Isaiah 6, 8 and Acts 9, 6. In your right hand. I know it's warm. Acts 6, 8. I'm, yeah, uh, sorry, um, Isaiah 6, 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to be so close to the Lord you can hear Him talking to you, influencing your decisions? And Isaiah, that day, he could hear the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for me? And then said I, Here am I, send me. Acts 9, 6 now. Acts 9, 6, soon as Saul of Tarsus, the killer, the guy who had barged into homes and churches, who carried people away into prison, torturing them, some of them he murdered, had murdered. In Acts 9 and verse 6, he's facing off with the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, I believe you. Is that what he says? No, he went further, didn't he? He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You see, from the moment that, 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 that Saul became a Christian, from the moment that he realized 
Jesus was alive. And the moment that he believed, he said, you win. I am now willing and ready to do whatever you say to do. Did you know that was in you when you first got saved? It was there. And it's still there. You just sort of... You squished it down so many years of your life. Uh, to be willing. Christ convinced me and, 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 and he turned my will to turn to him and trust him. He convinced me against, against all of the, the pressures of, of, of my own understanding and, and he just caught my attention and he convinced me he was Lord and he had died for me. And when, when he convinced me that he could save me and I started to trust him, I said, whatever you want. And I remember those days. I, I, I never, ever want to get over that kind of willingness. 2 Corinthians 8.3 says this, For to their power I bear record, and yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Are you willing? Are you willing? Weston, are you willing? Willing to do whatever is needed for souls. You used to be. You know, that's a kind of, that's like wrong kind of Christian to be. I used to was her. <laughs> oh, I used to teach Sunday school. Oh, I used to go soul winner. Oh, I used to read. No, no, no. You, what you was is who you still is if you're saved. So make sure concerning the lost, you're willing to do whatever's necessary. Secondly, I'm ready. Go to Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. Now, ready doesn't mean, you know, somebody, uh, uh, you're, you're ready for a trip. Now, let me ask Kathy. I won't ask Dan because Dan was probably ready last week. But Kathy, <laughs> Kathy, are you ready for the trip tomorrow? All right, all right. But get, get what she's saying. There's been a lot of preparation. Boy, a lot of packing and repacking and planning and, and uh, buying gifts. There's a lot of preparation. Sometimes we worry that we have to be so prepared before we actually hand out that first gospel tract. We think that we have to be so well super trained. Well, i got to go to Bible Institute for 16 years before you ever preach your first message or you ever uh, give your testimony out. That's not the kind of readiness that, that God's looking for. Romans chapter 1 and verse 15. Look at his readiness. It's very simple. It says this. Well, let me go back to verse 14. I am, what's that next word? All right, okay. I owe it both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, to give them the gospel. So much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Now, the, 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 they, they say it there, that some, of the, some of the most powerful um, uh, uh, what do you want to say? Uh, the most, the most important thing in an army or in a team is their excitement. Is they're pumped up, we're ready to go out there. Not that they, they are so convinced that they're the best or that they can play or they can win every time, but that they're ready, they're eager, they want to. And this is what we're lacking in modern Christianity is that zeal again, where we realize I owe it to them to go. I'm, 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 I'm ready to try. Yeah. And I'm ready to fail. I'm ready to mess up. I'm ready to walk away embarrassed or ashamed and then go out again. 
I used a lot of the illustrations from, from my first couple of years being saved. I was going to Bible college. I went for four years. But I got a lot of education going door knocking because in some areas in America, you deal with all kinds of nuts and fruits and cakes. But uh, I would knock at a door and I'd meet somebody who believed you had to be baptized in order to get to heaven. And I, I, they'd show, and they sometimes knew the Bible pretty good, and I'd go try to show them, but Jesus said, they go, yes, but Jesus said, except you believe and be baptized. And I get so frustrated, and I'd go home, and I'd say, I'm not going to let somebody like that have an answer without me having a better one. And I would look through my Bible, and I, before the Internet, I had to read my Bible and find an answer. And then I'd go back out. Now, here's the point. Why wait to give the gospel until you got all that education before you go out and you meet those kind of people. They taught me what was important to learn. They taught me what was important for me to fine-tune and to prepare for. I met Roman Catholics. I met Hasidic Jews and, and Orthodox Jews. And I met um, uh, Buddhists and, and people from all walks of life and stuff. And they constrained me to be prepared. But here's the point. I was already ready to go. I was already going. Do you see my difference? I owed it. There was a street down from our church. There were nothing but Jews on that street. And guess where my pastor would always say, Brother Ledbetter, every, every summer when we'd start a new round of soul winning, he would always send me down that street. And the street was about three miles long, and it was only Jews. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, every one of them are going to tell me to go away. Let me tell you. I have yet to win a Jew to Christ, but I'm ready to. I want to. Are you ready? I am ready. And you know what? When you come to church, when you make time to be here on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I'm trying to get you ready. I may not get you perfectly ready, but when you're here, it's God preparing you. You know, uh, what would, are, are you ready? Go to 1 Corinthians. Go back, go to the right. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. I owe it to them that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that were under the law... I came as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, I lived as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. What's Paul saying? I'm ready to do anything. I'm ready I'm ready to... to um, uh, Sit down with anybody, anywhere, I am ready. Are you? You know, you used to be. I remember when I first got saved, uh, I don't know what it was, whether the pastor said it or my youth director said it, you need to go and tell your friends you got saved. I went, okay. And I gave them all gospel tracts. I told them all they need to come out to church on Sunday. I told them they all need to get saved or going to hell. It was just that clear. It was just that cut and dry. Every one of them went, bye. <laughs> but I was ready. They said, do it, and I did it. Isn't it a shame we kind of get over that? I am ready. What I am concerned with loss is I need to be ready to go. You know, we, we don't we don't have like baptism, we kind of have to wait for the weather. We kind of have to wait for people to be ready. We kind of have to all that stuff. You don't wait to go. You just go, amen. 
And you just get up in the morning and says, I'm ready. I'm ready. Third thing, I am already praying. I got really convicted this week about this point. Matthew 9, go back to the verse we were this morning. Matthew chapter 9. Greatest prayer request Jesus ever had was for us to pray for laborers. Again, I'll repeat. He didn't ask us to pray for preachers or pastors or missionaries or teachers. He said, pray for people who will do whatever's needed to be done to get the gospel everywhere. Lowly, humble, un- un- unappreciated laborers. Matthew 9.38. Is it 9.20? Maybe not. I got 9.38, but it's not 9.30. Yeah, there we I'm in the wrong chapter. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Are you praying? If you're looking for a great reason to serve the Lord, there is none. Say, what's it? What, what, what is it? What do I get for serving the Lord? A life of servitude. A life of loss. When Jesus, at the end of the most victorious effort of his life, you know what the people around him said? <laughs> he saved others. Himself he cannot save. And that's true. You know, the, the point is this. We don't take it seriously just how important it is to pray for laborers. Pray they stay laboring. Pray for new ones to come in. Praying for laborers. Will you answer that call? You're not ever going to care about laborers until you're praying for them. You're never going to care about laboring until you've carried the burden of praying for them. Used to pray for missionaries. Used to have them on your fridge. Used to think about all the different countries. I hope you get back to it. I am praying. I am also determined, John 4, Gospel of John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 34. Now in verse 31, Jesus has been speaking with the woman at the well and his disciples come upon him and they're shocked at it. In verse 31, it says, In the mean, meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Has anybody else fed him? Because he says he's got his own meat. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to what? And to finish his work. What was Jesus? He was determined. He was determined. Uh, he, his joy, his, his thrill, at the end of the day, he didn't have to have a great big dinner. He didn't have to have all the, the, the pleasures of, of uh, success. His, his satisfaction was, I'm, I'm just determined to finish what I started. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God? And you are not your own, not anymore. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I'm determined that my life now belongs to God, not to the world anymore. 
that my schedule, even though my boss or my family or or um, uh, my bills may require so much time of me, I've still got to say I'm determined to live for God. I am determined, just like Jesus Christ. John 15, go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. In verse 16, John fifteen sixteen, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you, and I've ordained you. This is my commandment for you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, there's lots of things in there, but he says, hey, I called you. Are you determined to fulfill that call? How many people did Christ call not to be pastors, not to be missionaries, not to be teachers, not to be um, uh, anything with a title? How many people did of of of, of, the, of the Christian realm? How many Christians did Christ call to go and to produce fruit? Are you determined to fulfill that call? Are you determined? Jesus was. He says, my meat is to do his will and to finish it. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul says this. I'm sorry, wrong one. Uh, Acts 20.26, Paul says this. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. I can't say that. I don't know how Paul did it, but Paul got into the mindset where there was nobody he didn't give the gospel to. When he was in prison, in Rome, in chains... People from the palace of Caesar came down to the prison to hear him give them the gospel and he won them to Christ. He worked it out that everywhere he was, he was a soul winner. He was determined to reach his generation. I need that. I used to have that. Before I got saved, I I thought about going to space. After I got saved and God called me to Ireland, I drew out a map of Ireland, and I said, now how am I going to reach every town? I thought about it. I chopped up Ireland into 14, I didn't know there were counties. So I chopped it up into 14, I saw Athlone, and I saw all the main cities, and I sort of just drew little areas around, and I said, all right, well, the first year, I'll start, I thought, I thought I'd just start right in the middle, Athlone, that's where I was going to go first, before I met this ex-priest. Um, and uh, I thought I started Athlone, and I kind of worked my way, kind of a counterclockwise work. What was I doing? I was determining how I was going to try to witness to Ireland. I don't want to ever lose that. You get my point? I used to be so determined. I said, all I needed about 35 years, and I just go everywhere. I haven't done it. It's a big deal. But boy, I ought to be determined. Christian, let me tell you, don't, don't let the world demean our vision and our burden and our desire to do something great. Be determined. Number five, I'm expecting to suffer. Acts 21 now. Acts 21. Acts 21 and verse 13. Acts 21 verse 13 says, Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Now he was heading on, a, getting onto a ship, and they were never going to see him again. And he was expecting to go to Jerusalem and die. 
Christian, you better wake up. We're nearly there again. We're, we're one small generation step from an outright public persecution against Bible believers in Europe. We're that far, that close to us just... Nero, it is said, can't quite totally prove it, but Nero was a nutcase, and he was the emperor of Rome, and the economy was tanking, everything was going wrong, the armies were failing, they were losing momentum on the battlefield, they were coming back discouraged, there wasn't enough money to pay them, there were potential riots about to break forth in Rome. You know what he did? He burned the city of Rome. He sat up, it said, he sat up on his palace and he played the fiddle. And then you know what he did after that? He turned around and he said, it was the Christians who did it. That burned our city. And all of Rome turned against the Christians and began to slaughter them. Outside of Rome on the Apian Way, there were, over the next five years after that burning, there were 50,000 Christians who were impaled on stakes. They were, they would take hot tar and throw it up on the body and then they would ignite it and it would burn all night long and people would ride along the Apian Way and those things were like street lights. They would gather Christians and they would burn them on those stakes outside on that road for miles. And that was just, all it took was one emperor in a nutcase turning and saying, the Christians did it. Now you say, that's not impossible, that's impossible. Do you know what Hitler did? He said, the problem with our economy, the problem with the banks are the Jews. And he convinced an entire, most of Europe believed him and they turned against the Jews. And it can happen again. So I'm just telling you, concerning the winning of the lost, you better be prepared to suffer. Go to chapter 9, verse 15, Acts 9 and verse 15. You try to do something the Bible way and you will not get away with it. <laughs> Years ago, when I first started the church over in Blarney, I'd have, uh, here's a, here's a mom and she's got a couple of kids and, uh, start coming to church, get saved. And those little kids, and then the mom and the dad look at me going, what are we going to do about confirmation? What are we going to do about first holy communion? What are we going to do about, I says, take a stand. And it was hard. I, I just, I never saw how the, the pressure, this was 24 years ago. Now, who cares? Nobody thinks about stuff. Well, it's about to flip. You try to do right with your kids and your kids aren't participating in the gay pride parade, when your kids aren't participating in the, the video that's being showed on safe sex, when your kids aren't participating in that, you are, you are going to be hounded and you're going to be hunted and you're going to be made fun of in public places. Uh, Acts 9 verse 15. Now we read verse uh, 6 where Paul says, what would that have me to do? Well, listen to what Jesus says about what he was going to do. Verse, verse 15. But the Lord said unto Ananias, Go thy way, for he, Saul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear, look how great this is, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You expect him to suffer on the job? You ever uh, I loved how Dina was giving the testimony there this morning as she's been getting out gospel track, telling people they need to get saved from hell at the super value. And all of a sudden, a guy threatening, which, by the way, he can't throw you out. Matter of fact, he'll get fired before you ever get kicked out. But the point is, he's trying to scare you. And the point is this, Dina was persecuted. I wonder if you've ever been persecuted. 
And I just don't mean a door slammed in your face, but I mean where somebody was saying, you better stop. And they looked like they were going to bite your head off. Amen. If you have not been been uh, verbally attacked and mocked, I've been spit on. Uh, both at the door and street preaching and different things, people come up. And I mean, all I could do was wear it as a badge and say, my Lord was crucified. This is nothing. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 23. Paul is being, oh, he's being made fun of by other high uppity-ups in the church who were kind of trying to get all the attention on them and trying to discourage them from listening to Paul and his doctrine and listen to their doctrine and their spirit and their Jesus. And Paul says this in verse 23. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more of a minister. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, uh, by the way, what's a stripe? It's from a lash. A stripe above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often there's a time where he was, he was stoned and left for dead. Of the Jews, five times received I, how many stripes? Now I, I, my dad, some of you, maybe you've got different parents, but my dad, uh, would use his, his belt. Sometimes he used his hand, and he would slap my behind. I never have ever been whipped 40 times. And, and my dad would never whip like they whipped then. And yet Paul said, five times I've been whipped 40 times except one. <laughs> Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and that was not like most people think, with drugs. Thrice I suffered shipwrecked. A night and a day have I been in the deep 24 hours I've been in the ocean. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, couldn't sleep at night because he had to watch out for somebody trying to kill him, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside these those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care, the concern, the burden of all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. Paul, you know, this is his CV. He says, ever since I started going, that's all of my accomplishments. That's his curriculum vitae. Are you ready to suffer? Are you ready? I mean, Brother Dan, are you ready for somebody from a crew getting so upset at you that they start, they, they slash your tires or they throw a brick through your car window or they find out where you're, you live and you see cars at the end of your road and Kathy's saying there's another car out there looking in our driveway. I mean, I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to wake you up and realize you live for God. We live in the first world, but in the third world, it has been like this forever where if you ever try to live for God, you're risking your life. If you ever give the gospel to a, to a, and when we went, when, when we got here, the, uh, the immigration officers in, in Cork were just mean. They just 
hated missionaries. <clears throat> I didn't know that. Because <laughs> uh, when we handed them a gospel tract, they went, another one. <laughs> and from that moment, they put it on our file. And for how many years? 15 years? They would always pull out our file, and there was our gospel tract still sitting right there. And you just see them snore all over the fact that we were in their territory. We were in Ireland. Hey, if, if you're going to be concerned for the lost, expect to suffer. It goes with it. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, Paul says, for, I, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that in me win Christ. Hey, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall? I didn't hear you. Shall? Okay. Hey, what am I? What am I concerning the loss? Hmm, I'm expecting to suffer. So when you have a bad day, when you have a door slammed on, when people reject you, you're doing something right. Amen? Number six, I am powerless. Romans 15 now. Romans chapter 15, verse 19. Romans 15, 19. Start in verse 18. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me. Notice those words, Christ working to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of myself, right? Are you with me? Romans 15 and 19. No, by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about until Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Second uh, Corinthians four. Second Corinthians four. In verse seven. Second Corinthians four and verse seven. But we have this. We have this treasure. This this power in earthen vessels. We're the earthen vessel. We're this clay jar. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of who? I got two of you. Be of God and it's not of us. Go to chapter 3 and verse 5. One page over. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth. Anybody can get up here and just read. Anybody can get up here and just tell you what to do. But there's something that takes the Spirit of God to convince wicked men to believe and to, to follow Christ. And you know what? I'm not powerful enough to turn anybody. I'm not powerful enough to manipulate or to motivate or to, or to, or to get people to do things. I need the power of God to do that. Amen? But I'm powerless. I gave you that example this morning. Jesus turned to his disciples and says, hey, there's a lot of hungry guys out there. You feed them. And they went, we've got 200 pennies. How are we going to feed so many with so few? So he showed them. He says, just ask. You know, when Joshua led the Israel against the Canaanites into the promised land, did you know without God, they were defeated by a little bitty village called Ai. But with God... The walls of Jericho fell down in one yell. Let me tell you, 
you are powerless. When you, when you go, and you're, you're willing to go, you're ready and eager to go, you've prayed to go, you've determined to win somebody, you're expecting them to suffer, you have not, you are, you have, you, you have no idea what you get into until you realize, I better get the power of Christ on me. I better ask God's Holy Spirit to now be in charge, to, to stop me from responding in kind when they say evil things, and to, to love them, and to, to, uh, to compassionately care for them. You've got to have the power of God. I will never do anything of value. There's only one thing I can do of value. Are you ready with me? And that's yield to God's power as I do His will. You know what a farmer does? No crops anywhere grow by the power of the farmer. You understand what I'm saying? No power, no farmer goes over there and goes, Grow! There are no crops that grow anywhere unless they're plowed, the stones are removed, the seeds are planted, the birds are kept away, the rain falls, and then God brings forth the miraculous. Now, yes, the farmer's plowing and planting and weeding and watering and stuff like that, but God brings forth the fruit. Same is true with the gospel. Yes, how are they going to hear without a preacher? We go. Yes, we, we give the gospel out. Yes, we pray. Yes, but we've got to have the power of God to bring forth life into people. By the way, just as Paul, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, I'm in need of your prayers because I, I need God's help to do what God's asked me to do. And, and don't ever take it for granted when we pray for, for uh, Mona or anybody that's in sick, but don't ever stop praying for Brother Dan. Don't ever stop praying for Brother Andrew. Don't ever stop praying for anybody who's going and praying for more. Lastly, I am already busy reaching them. Go to Acts chapter 5. Last thought. Acts chapter 5. Now this is what a Christian is. Not really what a Christian ought to want to be. Acts 5.42. Listen to the normal... Life of Christianity in the first century. Acts 5.42. And Sunday in the temple. Is that what it says? No. How often did they get together? Every day. Daily in the temple. And in the pastor's house, right? No. In every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. God did not save you to just sit and watch. This is not a spectator sport. But to do, and to go, and to read. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Uh, whether you agree with it or not, whether you like it or not, but Christians are busy people. Um, uh, Christians complain about being, oh, man, I just... I'm busy, I have to be at church Sunday morning, I have to be at church Sunday night, I have to be again on Wednesday night, and if I'm not there, I feel guilty. Amen. And then when I'm there, I have to get the, the food done early, I have to feed the family, I have to get in the car, I have to clean up, and then when I get home, I'm tired, and I still have to clean up, and then we have to do all of this, and then have to get ready, and then i got to sit down and read my Bible, and then i got to uh, uh, prepare for tomorrow and, and get my heart right so I can give the gospel. Christians are busy people. Amen. That's what you are. And when we quench the Holy Spirit, and when we frustrate the grace of God, and when we, we stop His work in us, 
we're breaking what we started off being ever since we got saved. I think of an old preacher. I heard the story of an old preacher who every Monday afternoon would go to the railroad, railroad station in town and sit there. He looked so sad. And, uh, and, and one of the other young men came to him from his church and said, Preacher, I see you come down here, walk down here to the train station every Monday after church. Church on Sunday, and then Monday you're down here, and you're here for about an hour. What are you doing down here? The preacher says, well, in about five minutes you'll see why. So at 5.05 that evening, a train came by and just went, and just went on by. You see this big old smile come across his face, and he leaned back. And that young man says, what, what is it? What, 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 what are you so happy about? He says, I've preached all my life. I've tried to help Christians, motivate Christians, push Christians, pull Christians. I just like to see something go without being pushed. (laughs) Amen. That's what we are, folks. And that's what we ought to stay. Can you say those are true in your life? They are if you're a Christian. Every one of them are in there. The real question is, are they free and active in your life? So this was a heart checkup tonight. See if our hearts have been given over to something else. You know, we used to have a first love. Remember that? Jesus sent a letter to the church at Ephesus and said, you've left your first love. If that's true, then those things won't be active, even though they're present. And not just check our hearts, but check our deeds. Because every one of us need to get back to doing the first work. You say, well, I don't enjoy doing it. You will when you get doing it. You will get, it just, it just comes back to you, folks. Hey, let me say this. If you have no interest in such things, if the world looks just fine to you, if it all looks like it's fine, it's all doing great. And all of this is just foolishness to you is because you have not been born again. Because if you have been born again, every one of those things resonated in your soul, didn't it? Let's pray. Father, we are asking for revival in our hearts and in our deeds. We need our hearts motivated. We need our prayer lives changed. We need our vision. We need our eyes opened. We need our our purses and our pockets full of tracks. We need so much. So we ask. We pray, God, for revival. We pray for help tonight, God, that our cold, hard hearts would be melted. And it's not even for us. This isn't about us. Babies want to be burped and fed and carried. Grown-up Christians want to serve and go and be and do and make a difference. So, Lord, make us grown-up tonight. Help us to be ashamed of how immature we are and how much we frustrated the great grace of God. Get us back doing the first works the good works, best, when it comes to soul winning, please. It's been said, Father, that if we kept the main thing the main thing, everything else seems to just get into place. Lord, I want to stay close to you, but I want it to be for a purpose, that is, so that souls get reached, so that a harvest gets worked, so that our world has a chance to hear the gospel before the end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen.